the close of these services this afternoon. I believe that I can speak for each of us. We have gathered through these many services. The time seemingly has flown. But this I am sure we can all concur in. That we indeed have tasted of the goodness of God's grace. We have abode under his wings as he has sheltered us and reminded us of his great love in the words that we have heard proclaimed from his holy script. Tonight, as God's children, we who possess the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ in our hearts are able to thank and praise him for his goodness and his mercy which endures forever. Truly, with mortal tongue, we are unable to thank him as we ought. But God, uh, who knows even the thoughts and intents of our hearts, knows uh, how our spirit rejoices in the fact that we have been able to feast on that life-giving and life-sustaining word of truth. And as we have heard from the various brothers who has who have come here to bring that message that God has revealed unto them, make known, that uh, indeed uh, it is the will of God uh, that his children would be fed, that they would be nourished, that they would be strengthened in this precious living faith. Truly, we might uh, together say thanks be unto God. For great and holy is his name. He is yet the great shepherd of Israel. He desires to go before his sheep in these last and waning moments of time. To lead us, to guide us, to encourage us. That we might successfully complete this brief earthly sojourn. And enter into the portals of glory there to be with him throughout all eternity. Many times we have heard, even in these days that we have been gathered, how great God's love is for his children. He wants uh, only the very best for us. For his uh, love is kindled to burn for his children so greatly that he would desire that you and I and all of the children that believe in him throughout this world would one day be gathered before his throne in the glory of heaven. To sing that new song, no longer as we have sung this evening, but the new song which never grows old. With a new tongue, we will, we will join that angelic choir above to sing his praises throughout all eternity. But as we journey here below, dear friend, we are reminded uh, that because we are mortals, and because the enemy of the soul is so close to each and every one of us, we need uh, these moments of refreshing. We need uh, to feast on that word which is everlasting. That word which does not change, but remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thanks be unto our Father in heaven in these fast-changing times in which we live. There is that one constant that never changes. 
It is the word of God. The whims, the notions, the ideas of men are ever-changing. And men would desire even to change the word of God to make it more palatable to this carnal mind of ours, so that it might appeal to our intellect, that it might uh, be more reasonable, that we might uh, better be able to receive it and comprehend it. But, beloved, uh, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word. And as we have already heard, even this day, that the faith that we possess is of the heart, it is not of the mind. As Paul, writing unto the Corinthian Christians in his first epistle letter in the first chapter, would remind us, in the second chapter, he would remind us that our faith would not abide in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. For it is the power of God unto salvation that we seek after. I believe that for each of us, in our own individual hearts, our most fervent desire is that one day, as poor as my journey has been on the face of this earth, I trust that I too can receive that coveted victor's crown of everlasting life. Jesus has made known so preciously unto the angel of the church of Smyrna, Be ye faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Dear friend, that same promise is made unto you and unto me. We are reminded as we journey here in this life that there is no crowning upon the way. But the crowning that we seek after is that which we will receive when at last we can lay down this cross and take up the victor's crown that will be placed upon our heads by him who has loved us and given himself for us. May we there even, as we have already witnessed throughout uh, this evening and throughout the days uh, that we have been gathered together, as we have seen how marvelous that grace of God is, may we be reminded that his grace and his love and his compassion is with us even each and every step of our journey. And as we bring to a conclusion these services this evening, may we be in a silent spirit of prayer unto our Father in heaven, that he might impart uh, some measure of his word that we might feast upon, that we might receive it into our hearts, and in receiving it that we might believe it. And in believing it, that we might become doers of that word and not hearers only. For the Lord is well pleased when his children have a hungering and thirsting and a desire to hear his word. But he is even greater pleased when his children receive that word in an obedience, desire to do his word, that they might be pleasing in his sight. This evening I would like to read a portion of God's word taken from the epistle of St. Peter, the general epistle of Peter, the first epistle. We will read from the second chapter. May God grant us his grace that we might together be comforted, be reassured, and be instructed in the ways of truth and righteousness even as he has already instructed us throughout these many services.
May we also pray, even as the lateness of this day has come upon us, and this being the concluding service, that he would give us even physical strength and endurance, that this natural portion would not fatigue, but that we with expectant hearts might receive that word with joy and thanksgiving, that our hearts might be receptive, that they might be opened unto his word. We know how the enemy of the soul, the devil, is so quick uh, to endeavor to rob us of that word so that we do not receive that which is life-giving and sustaining, so that we might be caught up in many other thoughts and cares and concerns of our daily activities, the thoughts of a work day tomorrow, the thoughts of yesterday. All of those concerns come upon the mortal mind of man. But tonight, once again, let us pray for strength, that all of these thoughts would be removed from from our minds and our hearts, And that we might with singleness of mind and heart focus once again for the last occasion during these services on his eternal word of truth. Reading these words in the precious name of Jesus, then they are as follows. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby, if so be that ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore, Also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as pilgrims and strangers, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak evil against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Amen. These words of the epistle writer Peter are words of instruction and encouragement unto the children of God everywhere. For these epistles are directed unto the hearts of God's children 
that uh, together we might be instructed, but not only instructed, but that we would be comforted, that we would be assured and reassured. For as we journey here below, we know that many times the enemy of the soul with, with his deceitful arts seeks to distract us from the word of truth and the precious promises that are contained within this holy writ and are intended for you and for me to be partakers of. As it has been said many times by the elders who have even gone before us, the enemy of our soul knows our vulnerability and our weaknesses even better than we do. And it is for this reason then that he endeavors to direct the avenue of his attack where the fence is the lowest, where we are most susceptible to fail. And in failing, that we might be discouraged, that we might become distraught as we journey here in this life, and that we might, in frustration, give up in despair. A songwriter has once written in one of our songbooks from years past, Never give up. Never give up. How precious the words of that song echo even in my own heart. And it is for this reason that uh, I want to impress upon all who have gathered here this evening. Never give up, dear friend. Though it seems that your journey here in this life is so poor, you have so many failures and so many shortcomings, and it seems that the enemy of the soul has been able to overtake you in so many areas, never give up. He who has promised is faithful. He who has conquered the enemy of our soul is mightier than he. And he it is who will give you strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow, so that you will not despair as you journey here in this life, but you will look unto him who is the author and the finisher of your faith, and there behold the righteousness which is in him, by him, and through him, that you cling to each and every day, each step of the way, as you journey onward to that homeland that has been prepared in heaven for you. It is for this reason Peter would encourage you and me tonight, dear friend, that uh, we would uh, lay aside all malice, and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and evil speakings. In God's kingdom, here on earth, are there such things to be found as malice and guile and evil speakings? Indeed there are. And if we are truthful with ourselves, and in examining our own hearts in the light of God's word, we find that we are all very capable of falling into these things. We are all found guilty in these areas. The instruction of Peter is that we would lay aside those things. The Apostle Paul reminds us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the course that is set before us looking unto the author and finisher of our faith. We, beloved, are poor travelers in this way of life. That is true. We will remain poor travelers in this journey of faith 
all the days that we sojourn here on the face of this earth. We are never going to attain perfection. But the desire of the epistle writer and the desire of the spirit living and abiding within each believing heart is this. That we would be obedient unto his word and that we would seek to flee from those things which would draw us into the dark abyss of sin. And that we would be found uh, as uh, faithful children of our Father in heaven who has led us safely even unto this very hour as we have journeyed by faith. As we journey together then, the instruction is that we would lay aside all of these things. In laying aside uh, these matters, it is not to be understood uh, that they are banished into the ever, never the 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 dark and and uh, endless and bottomless area of forgetfulness. No, but rather, even as we have heard today, when the Spirit reveals unto us that we have fallen short of the glory of God, even in failures such as are described by the epistle writer in our text this evening, that we would uh, lay them aside, uh, meaning in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, let us confess them before God and before men, before our fellow traveler. And if there be an individual that we have uh, harbored malice against, that we would uh, go and speak unto him of those things and make known the dreadful effects that the of the burden that we have borne. The enemy of the soul has once again deceived us. He has once again led us into those things wherein we are robbed of the peace of a good conscience, the joy and blessed of assurance, uh, the assurance of our salvation is diminished in our sight. We are troubled. But thanks be unto God. Tonight, yet in the midst of God's children, the precious blood of Jesus yet speaks better things than that of Abel. In his kingdom here on earth, there is grace and there is forgiveness. So there is no need for any person to carry in their hearts a burden, a weight of sin that robs them of the peace and the joy that God's children are privileged to receive and to hold fast and cling unto. The word of Peter continues making known as newborn babes desire the, the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. If so be that ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Dear friend, this evening, you who possess, who possess the spirit of the living God of heaven in your heart, have you not tasted with me how gracious the Lord indeed is? how he cares for us, how patient and long-suffering he is, and how he desires to lead us each step of the way, even as our brother has made known in the message that God has given him already this evening. And all oh, that uh, God would grant us the grace then that we might be faithful followers, that we might follow him who has been so gracious, 
who has allowed us and permitted us to taste of the goodness of his grace, wherein tonight yet by grace we are able to believe our sins forgiven in Jesus' name and in his precious atoning blood. Thanks be unto his holy name that tonight we can be the children of God by faith only. The songwriter has made known so beautifully in that hymn that we sing so frequently, When Jesus is mine by faith only, then brightens the dreariest day. And truly it is so, beloved. When uh, the Lord Jesus is revealed unto us uh, by faith so that we are able to view him with the eyes of faith and behold him as he is full of grace and truth, then our day is brightened, the joy within is, it comes to fruition, and that there is peace and tranquility in our hearts. For in the peace of a good conscience, there is that beautiful peace of which our brother has spoken already earlier during these services of which the psalmist David had described when he in the 23rd Psalm speaks of how the Lord leads us beside the still waters, those still waters depicting the inward peace, the calm, the tranquility of soul, when there is no anguish, when there is no fear. Perfect peace casts out all fear. But uh, there is joy. There is thanksgiving. There is praises in our hearts unto him who is great and uh, continues to lead his children in this way, in this life. As we journey then so oftentimes, it seems that we must return unto that place where we are able to partake of the sincere milk of the word, even as newborn babes. In the natural illustration of newborn babes, we know how that little one, how it desires to receive milk from its mother. And we see as it is nourished by that milk how it grows. It is strengthened and it continues to progress in this life. Spiritually speaking, I believe it is the same. When we receive the word of God into our hearts, when we feast on that word, even the very elementary and basic truths of the Holy Scriptures, as uh, Pastor John Rikunen used to say, the very ABCs of the Scriptures, we find how we are strengthened, how we are encouraged, and uh, how we then are able to journey here in this life. Strength for today, bright hope for tomorrow. This is the will of our Father in heaven, to whom coming is unto living, a living stone disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. We as God's children come unto our Lord and our Master, Jesus Christ. We come unto him as unto a living stone. He is that solid rock. He is that firm foundation. He is that upon which the foundation of our faith, I trust, is laid even this night. For all other ground is sinking sand. May God, uh, in his infinite wisdom and in his marvelous love, reveal unto us uh, each day as we journey here in this life, then, 
How solid, how firm a foundation our feet have been planted in when we are built upon that solid rock. That solid rock of which the Lord Jesus speaks in the concluding chapter of, in the concluding verses of the seventh chapter of Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, when he describes uh, how that man uh, is likened unto a wise man who built his house upon a rock. Speaking of he who, him who hears the word of God and is a doer of that word. He is likened unto that man which built his house upon a rock, a wise man. And when the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house, the house stood, for it was built on a rock. But to the foolish man who built his house upon the sand, the Lord said that when the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house, it fell. For that house was built on the sand, uh, on sand, sand depicting the self-righteous works of man with which the enemy of the soul is able to tempt man to believe and to trust in them. But tonight, beloved, the word of God would encourage us that we would be found building on that solid rock, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is a living stone indeed disallowed by the builders in their own conceit and in their own self-righteousness and in their own blindness. Yet uh, unto us he is precious. Unto us we have uh, witnessed, we have experienced, we have believed, and we believe even yet tonight that he is the reason for the hope that we embrace in our hearts, the mystery that is unfathomable by the children of darkness and yet is revealed unto us by faith in him. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Here Peter would remind us that if indeed we are built upon the Lord Jesus Christ, that living and lively stone, if we are anchored in him, if our trust this evening is in no other except that name at which every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess one day that he is Lord of all unto the glory of the Father in heaven, if our faith is built in him, then we too are living stones, for we are in him and he in us. A living stone. There is life in the stone. It is with the natural mind uh, incomprehensible to understand how a stone can be alive. But this is the word of God as it was revealed unto Peter by the Holy Spirit. For he has made known uh, that his witness and his testimony is not uh, vain babblings, neither is it uh, fables that have been concocted by men but is that which the Lord has revealed unto him by and through his Holy Spirit. He continues by making known that uh, we are built up a spiritual house, a spiritual house. The stones, I believe, the Lord has uh, chosen 
to illustrate even this uh, unto the children of God would uh, be likened in the natural sense unto the building stones of our day and from the beginning of time. How men have selected stones to build a house, to build a fortress, to build shelter for themselves from the elements. But in this building, there is something that is so crucial and so needful. Of it, uh, the prophet of old, Ezekiel, writes in the 13th chapter, making known unto us how it is uh, the desire of our Father in heaven that uh, the builders of faith, the builders in the construction of that spiritual house would use a mortar that is tempered. Even naturally speaking, we know that builders, when they build with stone, they temper the mortar carefully. So it is of the right consistency that it adheres to the stones and the stones are placed carefully one against another. And that mortar is placed between each stone so carefully that the stone would remain secure, that it would become a very important and strengthened part of that structure. Beloved, spiritually speaking, it is no different. The mortar that uh, is placed between the stones that uh, causes those stones to remain intact in that building is a mortar of God's love. That love uh, which he has shed abroad in the hearts of his children. For we know that it is the love of God that unites our hearts together as one family of God's children. If If the love is absent, then the stones do not remain intact. They do not remain together. But it uh, is true that they will become separated. But uh, as a natural wall is built and remains intact, so does the spiritual building, the house that is built by God uh, through his Holy Spirit in the unity, in the bond of God's love, wherein he desires his children to journey each and every day in this life. We know, especially in this cold country in which we live, where we experience the extremes of the seasons, we know how in in the heat of the summer there is a, a great stress on even a natural building. We know how that when fall comes and the rains descend and the building is saturated, how that rainwater flows down that structure, that stone building. We know how that rainwater seeks to gain entrance at any little fissure or any little crevice. And then with the cold and the chill of winter, that moisture that has accumulated in those little crevices and those little fissures in that mortar, in between the stone and the mortar, we find how it freezes. And uh, when it freezes, it, it expands 
and the mortar spalls away from the stones. And if uh, unrepaired season after season this takes place until finally the stones become one by one to be dislodged from that wall and they fall. Dear friend, isn't it true spiritually speaking also? If uh, there is a little fissure, a little schism that arises and uh, the cold and freezing weather that the enemy of the soul would bring upon us is permitted to govern us, isn't it true how that love uh, begins to wax cold? Why, beloved? Because we have allowed iniquity to abound in our hearts. It is for this reason that love waxes cold. We heard that already today. Because iniquity, in the last days, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many is going to wax cold. Oh, let us pray tonight, dear friend, that God's love uh, would burn within each of our hearts, that we would have such a love one for another, that we would desire to help one another, uplift one another as we journey here below. Remember, we are journeying in a race, not a competition against each other, but a competition against the enemy of the soul who would want to destroy us as we journey here because he knows we are nearing the end of our race. And for those of us who are a little bit older, those thoughts become very acute in our minds and in our hearts. We know that the race will not be that much longer. And if ever the enemy of the soul wants to destroy the preciousness of living faith from our hearts, that we would not be able to successfully complete this race. But thanks be unto God who is faithful in all things, and his grace yet abounds, uh, he leads his dear children along, some through the waters and some through the floods, some through the fire, but all through the blood, the precious blood of the sprinkling of our Lord Jesus Christ, wherein we are able to receive uh, the forgiveness of our many failures and shortcomings, wherein we are able to with joy look unto him, the author and finisher of our faith, for we behold in him our all in all, and we recognize, beloved, as the shades of night are drawing near. The lights of home begin to burn so bright and so clear. May God reveal unto you and unto me, dear Christian friend, tonight, the lights of home, how beautifully they are burning. There in the glory of heaven is prepared for you and for me that eternal wedding feast. One day, dear friend, as poor as you may consider yourself and as poor as you may feel even this night as a child of God, there is prepared for you a place at that festive wedding table. One day we can all be partakers of that wedding feast where there is rejoicing eternally, where there is joy and thanksgiving, where we can be with him who has loved us and given himself for us, wherein victory is ours eternally, and God shall wipe all tears from our eyes. Think of it with me, dear friend. Is it not uh, worth it all as we journey here then in this life?
Though many times, as Peter describes, uh, with temptations uh, so prevalent in our lives and assailing us and buffeting us to and fro, yet that little ship of faith into which we have entered, there is a helmsman who never fails. He guides us with an unerring hand. He leads and directs our footsteps homeward. We are going home, dear friend. We are journeying homeward. This earth, this world is not our home. Here we have no continuing city, but we seek for that which is to come, that which has been promised unto the faithful. Therefore, I want to encourage you, dear friend, young and old alike, keep faith and a good conscience. Look unto him who has loved you, who has led you safely even unto this day. He will lead you all of the way. He will not leave you. No, he will not. He so preciously would remind each of us tonight once again, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And he who has promised is not slack concerning his promise, as we many times are. We many times make promises even unto God. That, Lord, if you will allow this in my life, then I will walk faithfully. I will walk a better journey. Are you able to say, dear friend, that you have been able to keep your promises unto him? Or must you acknowledge, even I must, as I must shamefully acknowledge before this assembly tonight, many of those well-intentioned promises... I have failed in. But he who has never failed has reminded me that I am yet his child. I am yet his child. And tonight by faith I am able to believe that my name too is written in that Lamb's book of life. Not through that which I have done, but that which he has done for me. And what he has done for you, dear friend, will bring you even into the portals of glory so that you can be with him eternally. As we continue, we read, Wherefore also, wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. That chief cornerstone in Sion. Sion is a figurative mountain. It is a mountain of which the writer unto the Hebrew Christians reminds them that they have been not they have not been called unto that mountain that is blackened with smoke and where thunder rumbles and fire is beheld. No, not unto that mountain any longer. But God's children are called to that privileged uh, place, that privileged station, spiritually speaking, on Mount Zion, that spiritual mountain where we learn together that it is uh, in that mountain where is found uh, the church of the firstborn, the firstborn in our Lord Jesus Christ. Unto that general assembly, 
and church of the firstborn. It is there, beloved, where God's children have been called unto, that we might uh, behold him in that uh, beautiful mountain, the chief cornerstone, for he is indeed elect. Unto you he is precious. I trust, dear Christian friend, tonight that he is precious unto you and that he is the dearest and ne- the nearest and dearest of the possessions in your heart, that there is no other possession that can rival him, for he is the rose of Sharon, he is the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star, he is the champion of your soul and of mine, and he never fails, he continues to lead his children and to encourage his children that we might uh, journey in this life. But if there be one here gathered even this night, who knows not the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart? Perhaps there may be one who has gathered in this assembly, who has gathered uh, throughout these services, who has heard as the Lord has spoken, perhaps unto your heart, the wonderful message of salvation. And inwardly, your heart has been in turmoil. Inwardly, there is no peace. Inwardly, there is a cry that wells up that you have not been able to allow to come forth from your mouth to make yourself known. Be it known to you, dear friend, the heavenly good shepherd, the great shepherd of Israel desires to gather all of his sheep. For he reminds us that he came not but to those who are lost, that they might receive that which he has to give, namely the salvation of their undying souls. Perhaps unto you the Lord Jesus is speaking tonight and reminding you that today is the day that, that today is the day of salvation now is the acceptable time tomorrow dear friend it might be too late how many have put off that day of repentance until tomorrow but tomorrow has never come how many have uh, experienced all too soon that the angel of death has intervened When will that soul repent of his sin? Beloved, the word teaches us clearly that here it is today in the day of God's grace while there is the breath of life within us that the Lord Jesus is passing by. It is today that the Lord Jesus is reminding and calling all unto himself. Therefore, if there would be even one soul who is gathered here tonight, dear friend, do not leave this service with a condition of heart that is in turmoil. Do not leave with a burdened conscience from this service. We don't know what tomorrow will bring unto us. Perhaps it may be that we will never see the dawn of tomorrow. But today... If any man will hear my voice, voice, let him harden not his heart, but that he would come unto him, the Lord Jesus, the victor over death, hell, and the power of the devil. 
Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. Jesus came unto his own, but his own received him not. We read as the gospel writer John reminds us with those words, his own received he came unto his own, but his own received him, them, him not. He was despised. He was rejected. He was disallowed. He was the precious stone that God in heaven had sent into this world. But he was, was disallowed by the builders, the wise builders. Here we find that Jesus, uh, that... Uh, this the precious stone which the Lord has sent and which sent and which the builders disallowed yet uh, those who received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God to them gave he the power to become the sons of God those who received him in receiving the Lord Jesus Christ in our hearts this is that which uh, the Lord desires he desires that we would receive his word, for he is in his word. He desires to reveal himself unto us, that we might receive him. How do we receive the Lord Jesus? Do we enter our closets and pray and there receive him in the solitude of our closet? No, the word does not teach us that way. Do we depart and go into a remote area, some secluded forest uh, refuge and there pray that we might receive him? No. But the Lord teaches us that he will, who will hear his word and be obedient unto his word, he it is that receives him. that he is able to perform. It is nowhere found in the scripture that men receive the Lord Jesus Christ in such a way. But it is that humble and penitent and contrite heart of man, as the prophet uh, Isaiah makes known, that the Lord is, is well pleased with and desires to instill within that heart that wonderful word of life, so that in receiving he might rejoice and give thanks and praise for God our Father in heaven desires to receive the praise of those who have tasted of the goodness of his grace but ye are a chosen and the stone of stumbling and a rock of offense even to even to them which stumble at the word being disobedient whereunto also they were appointed Jesus becomes to such a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. When man in his, in his proud heart hears that his own works are not acceptable before a righteous God in heaven, he becomes angered within. And he would turn from a righteous God because his own works he thought were so acceptable unto him. But when he hears that his, as the scripture teaches, that his own works are as filthy rags in his sight, he is fraught with frustration. And he will turn so many times 
in his own pride. For each of us bears some measure of pride. And that man who builds on his own works his house of faith upon that sinking sand, he is doomed to failure and frustration. Here the Lord teaches us, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him that ha- who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Dear friend, tonight the word teaches us Peter would describe you and me as a chosen generation. Indeed, we are a chosen generation. We have been gifted with the love of God. It has been shared, it has been shed abroad in our hearts. We have tasted of the goodness of His grace. We have uh, received the peace of a good conscience and the joy and blessed assurance of salvation in our heart, in our hearts through the merits of the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Indeed, uh, we are a chosen generation. Many times uh, we have pondered this question in our Bible study. Many times I have pondered this question in my own heart. Why is it that the Lord has chosen me such a poor traveler in this way of life? Why has he chosen me to be his child? I am not able to explain. I am not able to answer. The only acknowledgement I can give is this. That his love is unsearchable. So great is it that he has plucked me from the hard cold floor of this world. And elevated me to a newness of life. Wherein Christ Jesus has testified that he desires to live and abide in my heart. And will lead me each and every day until that last feeble step has been taken. And unto you I believe you are able also to testify in like manner that you are unable to explain why it is that God has chosen you to be his child. But you have tasted of the goodness of his grace. You have experienced the love of God uh, that has been shed abroad in your heart. And for this reason, you too are able to conclude you are a chosen member of this generation. A royal priesthood, a priesthood we are, in where, wherein brother is yet able to proclaim unto brother, Be of good cheer, all your sins are forgiven in Jesus' name and in his precious atoning blood. Can there be any greater blessing on earth, dear friend, than to hear that precious gospel message yet proclaimed in the midst of his family here on earth? where the blood of Jesus can flow from heart to heart, where we are able to believe all of our failures and our shortcomings, our many sins forgiven, blotted out and erased by the blood of the Lord Jesus. And thanks be unto his holy name, beloved, that his grace, his grace is so great and his blood continues to flow in the midst of his children. It is likened unto a natural spring, which flows. It does not uh, cease to flow in the drought of summer, in the heat of summer. It is not frozen in the solid of ice, in the cold of winter, but it flows. So it is 
that the love and the forgiveness of God, the blood of Jesus, the cleansing power of that blood flows uh, forever for his children because we are the children of his grace. We are a chosen people. And that uh, blood, as as we are cleansed in that flow, even as from a natural spring, as every natural spring continues to flow, at the end of its flowing, it comes into a lake, a body of water. So it is, beloved, that the cleansing blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, wherein we are able to witness of his grace and to partake of that forgiveness, it flows for you and for me, and it continues on unto the sea of grace where it is never remembered again. It is separated, those sins, that is, are separated as far as the east is from the west. They are drowned in the sea of God's grace, never to be remembered again before God or for before man. We are in holy nation, a peculiar people. We are both holy because Christ has made us holy. We look inwardly and we say, but I don't find holiness in myself. And indeed that is true, beloved. We don't recognize that holiness in ourselves. But that which we possess within the depth of our heart, which is of the Spirit, that indeed is holy and will remain holy. It is that holiness that the Lord has instilled in our hearts that causes us to be collectively then a holy nation, a nation of God's children, wherein we find the composition of that nature to be of that nation to be made up of the believers in our Lord Jesus Christ. A peculiar people. Yes, we are a peculiar people. A peculiar people in the sense uh, that the world cannot understand us. The world cannot comprehend our ways. As our young brother spoke to us the other evening even, spoke of uh, the many questions that are prompted in the hearts of men when they behold in a child of God uh, such a difference. There is a different calling. We don't march to the same beat of this world The drum of this world is not uh, that which we desire to follow after. And for this reason, the children of the world, as as we find recorded in the fourth fourth chapter of Peter, and reading from the third verse, it tells us, Therefore, in time past of our life, for the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lusts, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it, notice with me, beloved, wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. The children of darkness, they cannot understand, they cannot comprehend, even as Paul writing to the Corinthians teaches us, that those things which are of the Spirit are spiritually discerned and cannot be comprehended by the intellect of man's mind. And that which is not received by the intellect of man's mind is so commonly rejected because it is not reasonable. Dear friend, the Word of God does not appeal to reason. 
There is no place in the scripture that tells us that the things of God are reasonable. But it does tell us they are to be received with faithful hearts and be believed and to be rejoiced in. For they come from a father of lights who is the giver of every good gift and every perfect gift and in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. For he is the same yesterday, today and forever and he will lead and guide his children all the days that we journey here in this life. We are a peculiar people and not that we have to be peculiarly peculiar outwardly but let us be reminded also outwardly let us consider our lives that they would be conducted in moderation in all things but inwardly we are peculiar because uh, that which uh, is in our hearts and that which we seek after cannot be observed by the natural eye or heard with the natural ear of men. Our hearts are attuned unto those things which come from the great bishop of our souls. We desire, we rejoice in, and we long to behold that which he desires to impart unto each of us. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, Abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak evil, as they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify your Father in the day, glorify God in the day of visitation. We are pilgrims. We are strangers as we journey in this life. We know that we are only going to be here for a little while. Peter writes uh, of uh, that matter making known unto us that we are likened unto the grass of the field and the flower thereof. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth. And so is the life of man in this world. We appear only for a little while. I believe those of us who are older are so aware, so well aware of that. For those elders who would be gathered with us in the days of yesteryear are already called from this life unto the glory of heaven. We see how t- as time progresses, one by one, we are called from this life. Now as we draw these services to a conclusion, we are reminded that God has blessed us. He has given us opportunity once again to gather in his precious name. We know not when or if we will gather again. But we can believe that it is so 
that the next time there is an assembly like this, perhaps some of us will not be there gathered. This is the way of life. But thanks be unto God, beloved, as the the epistle writer Paul makes known, whether I live or whether I die, I am Christ's. That is the blessed assurance of salvation. That is the hope we embrace in our hearts tonight. That whether we gather once again in an assembly such as this, it does not matter. There is going to be a much greater convention, a much greater gathering in that land where the righteous dwell. Oh, may it be that we would uh, walk faithfully then that we would look unto him as we journey homeward, that we might uh, together, all of us, enter into the portals of glory, that we might rejoice eternally, singing songs of praise unto his holy name throughout all eternity. I am so happy to see so many young people here, even yet tonight, gathered in this assembly. My heart goes out to you young ones. You teenagers, you little ones who are sitting with mom and dad, thank God for this opportunity to be gathered together in this house of worship this evening. I am over 60 years old, and I could not help but reflect through these services on the days of yesteryear when I was a little boy sitting between mother and dad at the services. And as I reflected on those days, I could not help but be reminded how faithful the Lord has been unto me. When I have been unfaithful, yet he has been faithful. His promises are everlasting unto his children. When he has said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, believe it, dear child. Believe it with all your heart. Though I am already at this age in life, though not so terribly old, yet uh, six decades have passed. And I must admit unto you, dear children, I would give anything to be able to sit one more time between mom and dad at the services counted all joy dear child of God dear child of Christian parents that you are privileged to sit with mother and dad in the worship services all too soon that day comes when mother and dad are not going to be there to be beside you you are going to journey by faith but you are never alone He who is faithful in all things has promised he will be with you even unto the end of the world. Therefore, may God grant you strength, dear young one, dear young friend. You are a precious young brother, a precious young sister. Hold fast to that which the Lord Jesus has instilled into your heart. Cling to it all the days of your life. It is a gift most precious. It is irreplaceable. There is nothing in this life, no matter how the enemy of the soul, the devil, would want to come and say, but I can give you great wealth. 
I can give you the nice things in life. I can make your life so much more pleasant, a life of ease. Do not listen to him, dear friend. Many have been pierced through with many sorrows. But rather hearken unto that still small voice that speaks within and reminds you, I love you. I will care for you. I will lead you each step of the way until that last feeble step has been taken as the songwriter makes known and the gates of that city appear and the beautiful songs of the angels float out on my listening ear. Then all that now seems so mysterious will be bright and as clear as the day and the toil of the road will seem nothing when we get to the end of the way. May God bless you, dear friend. May he strengthen you. May you look unto him in the days to come. They are going to be difficult days, the scriptures teach us. They are going to be difficult days that lie before us. But remember, he is our strength. He is our comfort. And he is not only our joy tonight, but each and every day he renews that joy because you are his precious child. Amen. Shall we unite our hearts in the closing benediction? Now the Lord bless us and keep us. The Lord make his face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. The Lord lift up his countenance upon us and give us everlasting peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, all things upon this earth come to an end, but someday we'll be in a place where there will be no end. These past few days, we as sheep in his flock have been able to graze in the green pastures. We have drank of the still waters, the waters that we shall never thirst again when we drink. Surely, our cup runneth over, and by faith we can see that home up in heaven that is waiting for us. As chairman of the Eastern Missionary Association, it is my privilege to thank all of you that have been here, and we have heard of God's miracles, and most of them have been from the Old Testament and from Jesus' time. But I can tell you right here now, God is still in charge. We started planning for these meetings last fall. We appointed a committee. The committee has done their job excellent. They have done well. But God has had his hand in it. He has answered the various prayers that had come from the various people that have prayed for this. One of the first things that happened was to make this facility available to us. It has been a good facility, don't you agree? We had a little problem finding a spot first, but this opened up, and it's very reasonable cost. And I'd like to tell you that the superintendent of the school is a Christian. I often wonder that how long will a 
tax-supported institution like a school be open to Christian worship. But let's pray to God that it won't happen in our generation, that we can still freely come and use these facilities, for they are our tax dollars too, although they are from not from our county, but they are people's tax dollars. Another miracle is the way the congregations in the area have chosen to contribute of their effort. They have canceled their local churches and they have all pitched in. It's been wonderful. It's heartwarming. And also to the various speakers that have donated their time and talent, God bless you. That's all I can say. Our thanks aren't enough. It'll have to be God who thanks you. Mission work, I can't say much about it. It appears like our efforts are directed toward two or three people here and there. We try to send speakers to those areas. If there's any way anybody out there can help direct the mission work and open up avenues for us, we'd surely appreciate it. But all we can do is pray that God's will would direct us as he has directed us and led us to this point here tonight. Sometimes we as nine members of the mission board think we're carrying the whole load on our shoulders. But talking to various people from the area, we have satellite committee in New York Mills that carry their part of the road. We have individuals in Minnesota that donate their time and talent. They go to various areas like Franklin, Cromwell, without charging us a penny. God bless them. We heard of the mission work in New Hampshire, Maine, and that East Coast area. And one thing that especially touched me was the message of a man from Covington that converted. And that has to be Walfred Hamari. And those of us that knew him, this is truly a miracle. I knew Walfred when he was a youth. Was that the man, Ralph? It is truly a miracle. But in closing, I have to say that all the planning, all the sermons that you heard are of no avail if there is not those people in the seats there. If there is no one to hear, who can believe our report? Who, how can you believe it if they haven't heard it? We are really appreciative that you have come and supported our efforts so well. The turnout has been better than we expected. May God bless each and every one of you. And may he grant you a safe journey home, and I mean to our eternal home, but also to your earthly home. God bless you and God's peace. <laughs>